This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today we're going to talk photography. And to talk photography, I have the best man on the planet, and I mean photography on phones, obviously. Um, Steve Litchfield is here. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hi there. That's rather high praise, uh, especially coming from you. But I'm, I'm happy to take whatever I can get. As it says, uh, late in the evening here in the UK. I am somewhat tired and I'm somewhat croaky from doing another podcast, but I'm going to persevere because I like talking camera tech with you. So uh, hi there. G- glad to be here. So it is, uh, it is August 28th and we have a lot to talk about with cameras because you have been like me playing with camera phones and phones with cameras and cameras in phones and doing phone photography for, oh, probably since most of the people listening were born, right? <laughs> um, so, so basically, you know, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what is the best camera phone on the market today still, even though it's a legacy product at this point. You know what I'm talking about. Then I want to talk about what you can actually buy today that's actually meaningful to use as a phone um, that has fantastic imaging. And then I want to talk about maybe a history of how we got there in terms of Nokia products, since both of us are pretty Nokia-centric folks back in the day. Yeah. And then I want to talk about anything else that's left over for the time we have. I have a feeling we're going to just only talk about two of these things, but hey. Okay. So let's start with um, the current, maybe the current state of the art, uh, or sorry, the, what we consider to be the currently the best device for photography, even though it's a legacy device at this point. And I'm going to let you announce it. And in case you guys are all wondering, listening, who is Steve Litchfield and why is why is he such an expert? Trust me on this. Obviously, he's going to get a chance to pimp himself at the end of the show. But um, Steve and I have been for probably about since 2000, since the first camera phone started happening, which was 2002, 2003. Yeah. We've been reviewing camera phones and most of the high-end ones. And we've been seeking out how to make better photos with our phones uh, how to shoot better, how to take better shots. And so that's why he's on. Okay. Yep, Steve, yep. is that accurate? Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned that you know, what is the best camera phone, best phone, smartphone with a camera on the market. And really an awful lot depends on the word best there, because I absolutely agree that there are some great camera phones we may mention in a moment, phones with inc- insanely fast uh, focusing, the camera phones with um, depth gimmicks and uh, wide angle lens, all of that stuff. But if you just want to take a photo, with one camera in one phone with the maximum image quality, then the, the legacy you've just talked about in terms of some of those Nokia camera phones and smartphones in the past, I think, is born out really in what I consider still to be the, the gold standard for literally taking a photograph with a phone camera and looking at the quality in terms of doing something with it later on. And that is the Lumia 950 range, Lumia 950 and 950 XL running Windows 10 mobile, not everybody's favorite smartphone OS. But in in terms of the sheer pixel quality, the sheer dynamic range, uh, you just can't beat it. And partly that comes down to the the, the, the very mature OIS, the, the Zeiss optics, of course. It has got, they've got a fairly large aperture, even by today's standards. The sensor. 1.8, correct? Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the sensor size is, is, is large ish. Admittedly, there are some other smartphone what cameras. What are the size of the pixels on that? Do we know? Uh, well, it's a 20 megapixel sensor. Um, so I'm 1. guessing. 1.13. 
Yeah, yeah, about one point one microns each, which is this, but it's not just about that because of um, because of this oversampling thing, which is something we may come back to later on with the discussion of the classic devices like the Nokia eight hundred eight and. Uh, uh, Lumia 1020, where you've got the concept of oversampling, where you take this higher resolution array on the 950XL and 950, it's a 20 megapixel sensor, but then you don't actually output at that because let's face it, who actually needs 20 megapixels every time they view a photograph on any device? So what they do, as they did on the earlier devices, they take an underlying array of pixels at capture time and then post-process it, um, averaging out the, the, the noise and making the pixels in the final 8 megapixel output purer. Now on the old 1020. Hence, <laughs> pure view. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of the... And, and, and just, uh, they call them super, super pixels? What do they call them? There was a word for that when they, marketing-wise, when they announced it, right? Yeah, super pixels is one of the terms. So when they looked at, uh, for example, the size of a super pixel on a Nokia 808, it was dramatically larger than any physical pixel on any competing smartphone camera. And the same idea, really. I know the idea is of oversampling is not quite so extreme on the 950 range, but combine the advances in terms of the sensor sensitivity and, and that OIS and the large aperture with some oversampling. Uh, and you really get astonishing photographs. And I, I do these pixel peeping level comparison articles over on allaboutwindowsphone.com and before that on allaboutsymbian.com. And I'm comparing the 950XL2, for example, the latest iPhones, the Samsung Galaxy S7, the Samsung Galaxy S8, uh, the OnePlus 5 and so forth, the Google Pixel range. And in each case, I'm prepared. I'm absolutely prepared for the competition to say, OK, I now take photographs as good as the, the Lumia 950, 950XL. And I'm sorry, they just don't. Once you start looking at what's happening at that pixel level, and let's face it, if you're going to crop the photographs later on and do something with them, you're, you, know, you might take that eight megapixel shot and you might want a group of people that are over on the left of the frame. And you're going to end up with, say, a three or four megapixel shot. Then that's about an ideal size for doing something with. But you're going to want decent quality for those three or four megapixels, uh, not, not some sort of rubbish that you're, when you're cropping down a, a something which looks OK on the phone screen. But when you look at the pixel level, as I have on some of the previous Samsung photographs I've taken, there's just so much over-sharpening and so much processing that it's just very oh, ugly. Yeah. So I, I, I stand by the fact that I still think, despite its other flaws and foibles, and the focusing isn't anywhere near as fast, and in really low light, the focusing can be somewhat uh, tricky to to manage. Apart That's my from, biggest gripe, honestly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But apart from that, in, in for most conditions, um, right up from low light, right up to bright sunny days, the 950, 950XL, they are still my gold standard, and I'm, I'm not prepared to be uh, shaken from that stance. And you know what? You're right. I've pulled out the 950XL that I have, and, um, you know, re it took me hours to get it up to date, but once I got it up to date, because I hadn't used it in, any, in a year... I took some photos again, and wow. It's the dynamic range that gets me, to be honest with you. The noise, all that stuff is pretty good. You're right that when you zoom in at super high level of detail, you get a little more information, uh, especially in low light, uh, than the competition due to the, the, the oversampling uh, super pixels and the pure view technology. I agree. But to me, what really blows my mind is the dynamic range. It's just like, wow, right? I mean, you look at what's coming out of that for a single sensor, you know, because a lot of people get, a lot of phones now get really good uh, performance in dynamic range or uh, with dual sensors, typically a monochrome sensor paired with a color one, and some software photography to uh, software processing to make it to make it work. And and honestly, I don't think anything can touch the 950 in dynamic range other than you know a full on uh, point and shoot or something, uh, or or DSLR. So or, or even mirrorless, which is I think nowadays kind of the go to camera for a lot of techies. Um, 
So let's let's break this down a little bit for the re- for the readers. I was going to say the listeners. Listeners. So you know, st- just as you can tell, this is going to be super nerdy podcast, and and this is what I'm about, and that's why I have Steve on. So you know, Steve and I have both been reviewing camera phones since the dawn of the camera phone, and we've we're both pretty critical in terms of what we can do with them and what we expect from them and how that's changed over time. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to have him on. So let's talk about a few in- key ingredients of what makes a camera phone a good camera uh, today. And yeah. I, want, I want you to, to kind of walk through this with me. Um, and maybe you can tell the listeners what those ingredients are. I think for me, it's uh, the, the, pixel, the pixel size, the, the aperture, the f-stop, and then um, what else? Of course, there's all kinds of software aspects to that. But, but yeah. the, and the lens clarity are probably the three, right? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 op- the optics is actually something that's usually underestimated, I think. I mean, Nokia have been going with these the Zeiss optics and uh, for a number of years now. And we've now seen some other brands like Leica come in on the smartphone world, but I don't really believe they have that much influence in, on the, the, the physical glass. Um, I, I stand by the, what Zeiss have done over the last decade now. It's just over 10 years, really. And I think that that is a key ingredient that is often underestimated. There's also things like... Um, uh, the, the the capture time um, algorithms. Um, what actually happens at capture time? The, the Nokia, uh, well, so I say Nokia Lumina fifty, the Microsoft Lumina fifty, an ex Nokia design, and of course Microsoft uh, swallowed up Nokia. But at capture time, they get one shot. A lot of these um, dynamic range improvements you've seen in recent years have been from multi frame technology, where the right. pixel takes you know, eight photographs and then does does absolute wonders with it. And I, and I can't really fault it. But the the, the Lumia nine fifty does it in one sh- one take, one shot. One snap, a, a simple exposure, a simple ISO, and then, and it somehow gets all, everything right. I was saying on the AAWP All About Windows Phone podcast with your good friend, Rafe Blanford, um, oh, the other Rafe. day. <laughs> Hi, Rafe, if you're listening. But I've been doing a series of tutorial uh, articles called Anatomy of a Lumia Photo, where I basically take a, what I think is a pretty good photograph I've taken and then show the, some of the photographs leading up to it and some of my ideas of how I got the framing and how I approached the, the thinking behind the settings. And quite often I've been stymied on this Lumia 950 because I take the photo in just raw auto, auto mode, just the, the, the phone algorithms capture time deciding what to do. And then I, then I start messing around with manual settings, saying, oh, I'm, I'm Steve Litchfield, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I know it. I can fiddle with the settings, I can get an even better shot. And nope. do you know what? An awful lot of time I don't because Yuha yep. and his team over at, over at Nokia back in the day, three, two to three years ago, they produced some stunning algorithms and some stunning intelligence in the camera software. So d- d- at a capture time, it gets most of this right. Um, there's the, the filtering, the white balance adjustments. This is all g- generic, I guess, to other smartphone cameras. There's that multi-frame tech. All of these factors, I think, uh, people think, well, the best smartphone camera, and they think of perhaps two or three factors. I mean, you came up with three or four there, but I've been making just making some notes while we've been talking. I'm up to 12. We've mentioned about seven of them there. There's, there's the multi-cam tech. There's the, the fine alignment where you get multiple um, shots ex- combined. And the Lumia 950 has an auto HDR yeah, mode, I mean, which again combines multiple shots, for example. There are entire software divisions within the <laughs> software. which will, And I want to get into that. I want to drill down to that. But right now, I want to okay. talk about, let's talk about what we need in terms of hardware. Okay. Because a lot of people don't get that. And I think that's really critical. The, the factors to me are, do you have OIS or not? Uh, and that that matters, and and of yeah. course the Pixel doesn't, and is one of the best phones. So a lot of people are like skeptical when I say that. But the, if the Pixel had OIS, I I 
I would say it probably would do even better, mm. uh, especially for handheld shots in low light. Um, but but OIS is one, and then I think Pixel uh, Aperture is the other one. I think uh, let's do Aperture first, and then the you know the third one to me is 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 size of pixels and size of sensor and. And then finally the software, and you're right, the software brings in a whole new thing. And then, then we can start talking about multiple cameras and how they can be, there's, there's three ways to do multi, multi-camera right now that are very popular. There is a single camera, uh, a main camera with a, with a wide angle, that's the LG way. There is a, a camera, a regular camera with a telephoto, as in a zoom lens, that's the iPhone, that's the OnePlus 5, and that's the Note 8. Um, there is um, um, one camera that's the main camera and then a monochrome twin camera that can have a higher resolution or not. That's what uh, Huawei's been doing. That's what Motorola's doing. Um, so those are, you know, those those require software to do their thing. So understand that right now we're just talking purely of a single lens, a single sensor. First, you need to start with, um, you know, Ideally, a, a, a large aperture, a small f-stop number, um, because that means that each pixel receives more light f- physically, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that's critical. Um, it's like buckets, right? Um, you want each pixel is a bucket that can receive light. So, it's, imagine the analogy of raining into the bucket. The photons are like the, are like rain. Um, if the bucket is, uh, you know, if, if you have uh, an aperture that is big enough over these buckets, you're going to get more rain coming into the buckets. Yeah. If you have a smaller aperture, less rain comes into the buckets. Um, and also larger apertures um, enable um, shallower depth of field, which gives you that nice bouquet effect when you do close-up shots, right? Yeah. So it, they tend to be favored. Uh, there are There is room for, uh, uh, you know, uh, small aperture, large f-stop, uh, photography. That's why high-end cameras have different lenses, and you can adjust the aperture on high, on regular cameras, because sometimes you want everything to be in focus from short close-up to further away. Uh, but it, with camera phones, usually having the option to you know kind of pull back and get a generally everything is in focus shot, and then close in and get that nice bouquet is only possible with a large aperture. Yeah, absolutely. I'm simplifying, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's pretty much true. Yeah, and the thing about the buckets is interesting because people can actually see that effect. If you think about a a fairly budget to mid-range smartphone, even today, if you take a shot in low light and then look at it up on your perhaps your PC or Mac monitor uh, and then sort of look at the pixels, the pixel-level detail, you'll see a speckled effect. So you, you, sometimes the software tries to blur this out. But in, in, in extremes of low light, what you're actually seeing is individual photons of light hitting that sensor and, and triggering, uh, triggering information, triggering a one rather than the zero. And when you have a larger bucket, there are enough photons of light hitting each bucket that the, the, the speckle is that the noise, the digital noise goes away. So that the, the, the sensor size and the pixel size, they are absolutely critical. And just one extra point, Miriam, um, if you remember back in the day, 2006, 2007, the Nokia N95, that had a one over, if I'm right, one over two point five inch um, sensor, which you think, well, that's that was huge for the day. That must yeah. that, that must have taken incredible photographs. No, for the day we thought it was great, but by today's standards, the photos it's takes ridiculous, are abs- absolutely appalling. Today's the today today an, a budget phone with a five megapixel camera takes vastly better photographs than the Nokia N95 with the large sensor from ten years ago. So there's, there's there is the sensor size, but there's also the quality and of the technology, the sensitivity right. of that sensor, and that hasn't proved be leaps and bounds over the last four or five years it, 
Absolutely. That's a very good point you're making. So so let's go back to analogy. Imagine you have a room with a roof on top of it and the room has a bunch of buckets in it. That's your sensor. And the, the room is the, is the lens system. Um, if you put a tarp on top that can be adjusted in how much rain it lets into the buckets, that's your aperture. So obviously, the bigger that tarp, the the less the the smaller the tarp, the bigger the aperture, the opening in the tarp, letting more rain into the buckets. Yeah. The better, the more light you're getting, the more rain you're getting in those buckets. That's that's the first thing we just discussed. The next thing I want to talk about with you, and maybe you can explain this, is the size of the buckets. So you can have, you know like 12 megapixels worth of small buckets, or you can have 12 megapixels <laughs> worth of large buckets. Of course, large buckets can, if it rains really hard, can take more rain in than small buckets. Small buckets eventually overflow. And that's when you start seeing, you know, photos that are, you know, overexposed, right? So, you know, I'm simplifying here, but I think that's the thing. So of course, the number of the number of buckets is your megapixel count. And then the size of the, buckets is the pixel size, which right now currently varies between one micron and about 1.5 micron on typical cameras. But that's not always the case. You mentioned the N95. I'm going to mention the N8. The N8 had 1.75 micron pixels. Is that correct? Something in that region. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty insane. Uh, of course, the sensors weren't as good back then. Those yeah, buckets yeah. weren't like basically the think of the sensor ability to measure the buckets. So the sensor quality used to be we could only measure so the water so well once it was inside the bucket. Now we can actually measure it super accurately. Yeah. And that's why we've seen improvements. With small buckets, we still get a really good measurement. With, but it used to be larger buckets give you a better measurement. And so an example of that is if you look at the, the upcoming V30 or the, the G6, well, we actually don't know what the uh, pixel size is of the V30, but the G6 is a good example. 1.13 micron pixels. Small but it performs extremely well in low light. And the reason for that is, uh, you know, that it's, it's that software that's doing a better job because LG has tons of experience with that size pixel. But you look at the, the, the Pixel XL and the Pixel regular and even the Galaxy, they have what, 1.4 micron, right? Yeah, is it 1.5, 1.4? So they I have larger pixels. Yeah, I wanted to go just go back very briefly. You mentioned that there's the, the, the kind of a trade-off here, really. There's a compromise because it all depends sure. what you want to do with the photographs. We've gone to ridiculous cases where the Nokia 808 had a 41 megapixel um, sensor. And obviously, it, it, the whole point is it wasn't going to use it at that that re that resolution. It was going to oversample, as I've said, down to 5 megapixel in that case. Now, HTC did something really interesting. Um, the HTC One M7, I think, was the first. What they called ultra pixels, where they had physically large pixels, but only 4. Or 2 four, micron. Yeah, 4 megapixel resolution. But they, they went too far. They, they, there's a nice idea. And they, they, they did many things right, but it was ultimately but too... But lose detail. Yeah, it was too low a resolution. And most of the time, people uh, would actually literally lose detail when there is a sweet spot and the sweet spot is coming out at around about some eight. 10, 10 yeah, 8 10 12 megapixels 12 yeah um, so the 12 the, enables just so you know 12 enables 4k video that's why you're seeing yeah, 8 yeah. is really hard to do 4k video so obviously 4k video is a necessary feature even though it's completely ridiculous in my opinion uh but it's there and people want it so 
12 yeah. megapixel is what we have. Yeah, so there are loads of phones starting out with the Sony phones and then the, the, the Lumia 930, Lumia 950 and the Windows phone world um, with these 20 megapixel sensors. But that's kind of crazy. And, and it's, to be fair, even Sony recognized that when they produced these these experience with 20, 20 megapixel um, shots that they're, they're is they superior auto they call it they they actually come out at eight megapixel they're trying to do something the same as what uh, the, the Microsoft and Nokia were doing with the Lumias so to have and when I see phones released today with say this twenty megapixel sensor and then you actually look at it and you try it and review it and it's actually outputting at twenty megapixels this is crazy they're, they're not doing you don't anything. need that yeah they're not doing anything intelligent with all that information so it, yeah the sweet spot is somewhere around eight ten twelve and. If, if you've got large enough pixels at 12, then you're going to get great shots. If you've got a, a smaller bucket, smaller pixels at li larger resolution, you better do something jolly darn clever in the software. Otherwise, you're just wasting wasting technology. Right. So that, that explains to you guys more or less the size of the pixel issue. And again, the sensors have keep getting better. The pixels vary in size. Some people chose 20 megapixels, lots of smaller pixels. I got one micron or 1.3 micron. Some people choose, you know, 12 megapixels at 1.4, 1.5 micron. In general, 12 megapixels at 1.4, 1.5 is the, currently the sweet spot. And then in terms of f-stop, currently the sweet spot is anything less than 2.0. So I would say 1.8, 1.7, and 1.6, like the V30, uh, is is a good is definitely a step in the right direction. The best lenses in the world out there uh, that are you know relatively affordable and available are f over one point two, and the depth of field is so shallow that you pretty much <laughs> never sh you never shoot at one point two. You shoot at one point four, one point seven, one point eight. So the yeah. point is. That that's kind of the sweet spot. Then the third aspect we haven't really talked about is OIS, and some phones have it, some phones don't. As a general rule, having OIS really helps. What is OIS? It's basically the ability for the lens to stay completely stable um, when the phone itself is moving. Uh, so what it means is that the focus and everything in the image stays, you know, perfectly stable. Uh, and and as and as such, you can keep the shutters open longer. So you can basically, um, the shutter is the tarp that you close on top of that room, right? So the app, when it's, when it's open, the aperture lets so much rain in, but if you shut it, you have no more rain coming in. How long you open that tarp is basically your shutter speed. And that can be varied on a phone, which is nice. Uh, you can't vary the aperture on a phone, but you can vary the speed. And so this, the, the advantage of having uh, OIS is that you can keep that tarp open longer. Um, you can keep that shutter open longer and capture more light, get more rain in your buckets. Um, and as such, uh, have it have basically the same, you know, the rain, the, the, picks, the, the photons coming from the same light source hitting the same bucket yeah. uh, for longer. And that means you get less blur and you get a clearer image uh, less processing needs to be done after the fact. And so some phones get away without it, like the XL, the Pixel, and the Pixel XL. And the way they do that is, as Steve hinted before, they take eight shots really fast in a row, and they can see the motion in the eight shots. Like, they can see how your hand has been shaking from shot to shot, and they can line up the pixels so that they recreate a mega, like a, 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 um, a composite sh picture of those eight photos that's perfectly lined up and you, you get rid of the motion error. But it's software that, it's software dependent and it's not a perfect science. My theory and my, why I keep bitching about OIS is that 
and, and, and the need to have it is that you eliminate the need to doing all that image processing in the first place and you can do the image processing on eight shots now for noise and for dynamic range instead instead of having to correct for motion which is why I want to see OIS on my cameras and if you look you know the Note 8 it's the first phone with OIS on both the main camera and the telephoto camera. Um, I've been saying for years that we need that. Um, to give to give credit to Huawei, the P10 uh, and P10 Plus and the Mate 9 also have OIS on both cameras. Uh, however, one is monochrome, so it's not a telephoto setup on the, the Huawei. So that's what OIS brings you. Would you add something to that, Steve? Well, just to say that not all OIS is the same in the sense that they're, they're obviously Good implemented point. in different ways. The Lumia 1020 famously had its entire optical assembly sort of supported on ball bearings, literally, literally on ball bearings. And there's some excellent YouTube videos which kind of uh, diagrammatically show how that works. But uh, not the various OIS mechanisms, they work in, in terms of different axes, in terms of X, Y, Z, roll pitch, yaw, depending on how you want to, to measure it. Uh, and some work better than others, obviously. I think the, the, the Lumia 1020 was particularly interesting and in that they is the, the by far the largest phone camera assembly that, that anyone has ever put OIS on, and it wasn't a huge success. It, it, it performed okay for stills, but it was pretty ropey really for video. The sweet spot, I think, is where we've got to with the, the modern the modern phone camera sizes in terms of the sensors and the large the large f-stop apertures. And the OIS works pretty darn well. But the, there have been some failures over the last four or five years where OIS was implemented, but only on say two axes. Uh, and if you do a full six axes, so three physical uh, linear axes and three rotational axes, then you've really got the best of all worlds. Who's done that, though? Which are the best OIS implementations? I think LG is up there, right? The, yeah. Since the G4, G5, and G6, we have, they think they have four axes, right? I wouldn't swear on it, but LG's OIS certainly works really, really well. I was stunned when the G4 came out and take, testing that, what it can do in low light. And the G5 and, uh, certainly uh, backs that up together with that extra camera. And the camera. V20, by the way, and yeah, the V10 yeah. as well. They're all the yeah. same pretty much sensor and OIS implementation. So for yeah. me, what made the G4 and now the G5 and G6, uh, and I'm hoping the V30 as well, uh, that delicious with OIS is that I was able to do a half a second handheld shots yeah. by being very steady in the first place and have a perfectly steady non-blurry image in and that's you know by setting the manual controls and the shutter speed for half a second which is yeah. a, you know lets me uh, bring the iso uh down and so let's talk about iso really quickly that's basically the gain that's like the 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 volt the the um, amount of amplification on the measuring of the bucket's content um you know, the sensor outputs a signal that says this is how full the bucket is. Um, and that sense that 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 voltage that's coming out is very, very small and you need to amplify it. The problem is that when you amplify, you'd also amplify any noise captured by the, the, the sensor, uh, the pixel basically. And so um, generally you don't want to get that gain too high because if you amplify too high, you get basically errors. You get basically pixels that are not valid and you get noise in your photo. Um, so I hope this clarifies the ISO thing for you guys. But basically, in the old days, ISO was the sensitivity of the film, basically the ability of the film to capture photon. Now it's more like the gain on the sensor. And so yeah. um, being able to use OIS to have a half a second shot handheld means that I don't have to lean on something or have the tripod and I can still take uh, a really low ISO, as in uh, low amplification, long exposure, and it, it works great for non-moving subjects, landscapes, and that sort of thing. 
Um, and then you can get that cool effect of like the, the taillights and a car going by as a, as a trail if you want to do that sort of thing without having to use a tripod. So to me, that's why like the Pixel, yes, absolutely. This eight quick in a row photos, it, it removes the error of, 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 uh, of motion from my hand because it doesn't have OIS, but it doesn't let me, to do, let me do those half second exposures that let me be more creative like LG does, like Samsung does, like like um, a bunch of phones do today. But there is a tendency to get rid of OIS now, which is really worrying me. The OnePlus 5 has no OIS, whereas the previous OnePlus, the 3 and 3T had OIS. The Moto Z2 Force doesn't have OIS, whereas the Moto Z last year, the, both the Z and Z Force had OIS. And, and I think I'm worried that People are trying to rely too much on the software side. And of course, Qualcomm, most of these manufacturers use Qualcomm uh, uh, for, you know, uh, processors, and they have really awesome ISPs with really strong capabilities and really good algorithms. But I'm worried that they're relying on this too much. And in case of Google, they have the expertise to do it right. And in the case of Nokia uh, or Microsoft, they had the expertise to do the pure view, all the stuff we talked about, about the super pixels and the binning of multiple pixels into one for noise reduction. But if you don't have that expertise, you see what we see with the Moto Z Force, Z2 Force today or the OnePlus 5 yeah. today, which is kind of meh performance from the camera. It's good to today's standards, but it's not great. It's not great like the, the Samsung phones and the LG phones and, and even the, the iPhone and, and the Pixel. And that's the problem is that if you rely on software, you really need to have the algorithms and the processing power behind these algorithms to make it work. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you, Miriam, 100%. But I just wanted to sound a note of caution outside the, the, the camera phone bubble that we're in. <laughs> that, uh, that I think... The most people, they just want to take good photographs, good snaps, and literally snaps quickly, quickly yeah. for social media. And the, the, the concept of, of arty shots of car tail lamps, of flowing water over rocks at the seaside with long exposure, all of the stuff that you and I love to do. 99.9% of people out there with phones don't take those. They just want they want good enough shots of their family, friends. And let's face it, I think I've been testing, for example, some of the £150, £200, well, I guess that $250, $300 phones over the last year or so. And I'm astonished, absolutely astonished by the quality of the photographs taken with these these fairly low-end uh, devices. And they take absolutely, they, they won't do that, that shot of the, the, the half-second exposure of the car tail lamps. Or well, that they will. Half... They will on a, tri if they have, they have a tripod, they will. <laughs> They're not going to have tripods. That's my, my point. My point is that most people don't want to do that. They, most people don't go there. You and I, we, we absolutely I want to push the boundaries. We want to see OIS in every camera unit, in every phone that we use because we know that we will need it. Every time we take a walk out at nighttime, we're going to see something beautiful, some beautiful lighting effect, some artifact. And we're going to say, well, I want to capture that and I want to capture <laughs> it perfectly and I want it to be beautiful. And we quite often get I, fairly I, close to that. Most people don't think like us. <laughs> I, I know. And that's why the joke, it was a joke when I said, they, of course they need, they could do it with a tripod, right? <laughs> yeah. Because they're not going to carry a tripod. I don't even carry a tripod. So yeah. that's kind of why I want OIS that works for half a second because I'm a creative person. So you see, yeah. this is exactly the point. You're, Steve makes a very good argument. It's the same argument I make that when Steve tells me the 950 is still the best camera phone, I'm like, nobody's going to use a 950 as their phone, Steve, because <laughs> it's a completely useless phone today. So, I mean, that's the same argument. It's like, yes. But I do think there's enough people out there who want to be creative that there is room for at least one device from the lineup of devices from the manufacturers yeah. to have OIS for those of us who want to be creative. Okay. And to me, cutting that corner is basically giving me the finger. And I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm sorry. 
Yeah. I want my phone to be fast when I uh, sometimes I need to take a shot of a moving kid that's that's impossible to capture quickly and I need a camera to, that focuses fast and takes that picture fast and it's it's spot on, it's spot on, right? But sometimes I like to just be artsy and so I should have that choice and I think that that's what Android's all about is choice. And yeah. you can thankfully pick. I'm going to buy a Pixel, I'm going to buy a Galaxy S8. And the Galaxy S8 or the Note 8 and the Pixel versus the Pixel, at least the current Pixel, is, you know, OIS versus no OIS. And that's the choice yeah. you make. But know that, you know, when I was on an airplane at 40,000 feet in business class coming back from Taipei and I tried to take a photo of the incredible, it was actually a Boeing 777, the incredible... Um, fake star ceiling inside the plane. They have this fiber optic setup that looks like um, the starry sky. Uh, and I tried to take a photo of that. And we were, you know, there was a bit of turbulence at the time and I couldn't get a steady shot with a pixel at all. It was always blurry. And this is the pixel we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so I pulled out the Galaxy S8 and I nailed the shot the first time because OIS. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's it. They're, they're, yeah. and, and, I'm not, and I'm not talking about being creative here. I was on full auto on both phones. The Pixel would not take that photo. It just didn't do it. Whereas OIS really helps. So just be careful. I think OIS yeah. does have its merits beyond creative work. Um, because in this case, I could not have taken the photo with any other yeah. phone than one with OIS. I'll, I'll tell, show you how far I am with you, Miriam, and how in, in lockstep I am with you. I'm casting your cast your mind back three years. I still have next to me a Samsung Galaxy K Zoom. So a smartphone, just for the listener out there, smartphone with a ten times optical zoom and an okay sensor um, and a Xenon flash, all in in your phone. Um, and I I know I think you had one for a view, and I've so, so still do it today. Take photographs of the moon, looking at the craters on the moon on a phone camera. It had OIS as well to back up what you're saying. So a largest sensor. 10 times optical zoom and OIS do a one second exposure and you can photograph what's happening on the moon, the flicking moon. Yeah, I actually didn't never had the K-Zoom. I had the Galaxy S4 Zoom. Oh, the predecessor. Uh, which is a predecessor. And uh, I was able to take photos of the moon with that. And I was also able to take photos of the moon with the 1020. Uh, but the 1020 didn't perform as well, obviously, no, no, because yeah. it was stretching it. Uh, they, that optical zoom really made a difference. Uh, the, the Galaxy camera was another example of that. A current version of that, a poor man's, well, poor not in price, but poor in performance, man's version of what uh, Steve is talking about here is the... Um, it's a terrible. It's a terrible choice of brand for their sake. But the Hasselblad uh, Moto Z mod yeah. is an, a camera that could do that. Uh, but but it's such a terrible camera. I don't even know why it has a Hasselblad name on it. It's kind of sad. But um, yeah. Come so on. I mean, you know, uh, uh, of course these are optically stabilized zoom lenses, and let's not even start getting into zoom lenses because that's you know I want to kind of keep it to single sensor for now. So we've talked about the three big things. Let's start talking about what we can do in software. You've touched on it. You can do super pixels where you group multiple pixels. If you have a lot of megapixels, yeah. like what Sony does with the, what's it called, that mode they have? A superior auto. Superior auto, thank you. And like what the PureView modes is on the, all, the, all the 20 and 40 megapixel phones that Nokia, yeah. Lumia made. Yeah. Uh, the Lumia branded Nokia phones and Microsoft phones. Uh, the 808 is the exception because it, well, no, no, the 808 does it too. It just doesn't have OIS, so it's slightly different. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but the, starting with the 808, we had that technology in there. And so basically, 
uh, it's pretty amazing because because you get low light out of a small pixel, large megapixel array. Um, and then what else is the stuff we talked about in the pixel? Mul averaging multiple images really quickly to remove motion, to uh, by, by averaging them out, you get better noise, right? Like better noise reduction. Um, and you can do other things like uh, uh, dynamic range issue, right? You can get yeah. better dynamic yeah. range. That's a big problem with a lot of sensors is dynamic range these days. Yeah. yeah. Can I just mention one other thing? We, we, we glossed over yeah. it because we talked about several of these phones and I mentioned Xenon, that, that magic word that you you kind of passed by. Because I know you'd probably like to rant about it as well. But just as a practical example, last Christmas I was at a family do and in my niece's front room and her, and her five children. And they were in the corner of the room. We were trying to set up a photograph in front of the Christmas tree. Now, this is typical indoor winter lighting in the UK. The room was pretty dark and dim. There were some fairy trees on the very light lights on the tree but the overall lighting level in the room was pretty dim and we were trying to get a good family group shot and i happened to have that samsung k zoom so we had the ois plus the xenon flash and when you've the thing is you've, you've got all these systems for getting good low light shots and and averaging out your hand motion you hold you know handheld shot but what if the people are moving? What if you're photographing people in low light? And that's still a bone of contention to me. And the K-Zoom with its Xenon Flash running Android, an old version of Android, but it's an Android smartphone, um, absolutely nailed the shots because it, it, the, 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 the burst of light is something like 10, 15 microseconds, which means that however much people are, you know, it's Christmas, they've had a, uh, they're having a good time. They're all smiling, laughing, joking, moving around, tickling each other. And yet you can freeze the motion and the, the shots are all usable. If you tried taking that shot, like a dim indoor lighting shot of moving people with any phone today, I absolutely any phone, even the Pixel, even the G6, even the Samsung Galaxy S8, uh, even the Note 8, any of those smartphones wouldn't have taken as good photographs as that old Samsung Galaxy K-Zoom because of the flash technology. And I still don't understand to this day, this is my rant for the podcast, Miriam, why we still don't see any phones today with Xenon Flash. Because I think it's, it certainly serves a, a really useful use case, especially in places in the world where you don't always have bright sunlight. I would agree. Um, there's a bit of noise right now. I'm sorry about that in the background. Just ignore it. Uh, but I, th I think that the, so Z the issue with Xenon is, and I, I'm, I'm with you 100%, that if you want to use a flash, having a Xenon would be great. And I would like to see that on phones. But at the same time, I feel that flash photography doesn't look good. Unless you have indirect flash lighting, like, you know, you have a flash pointed upwards or something like that, it doesn't look very good. So for me, I would rather have not Xenon, save a bit of space on the phone, keep it thinner, which is, I think, what they're doing with LED flashes. You can now get, uh, uh, and you have been able to for the last two, three years, a Xenon uh, flash bulbs and Xenon capacitors, which are flat uh, and don't occupy significantly more space than the LED flashes. So I, I don't buy that as an argument. I do buy your argument that Xenon lit uh, flash shots can be look flat and over over whitened if you like but when they're the only usable shots from an entire evening of people trying to shoot this blessed christmas shot and everybody else's photographs has blurred faces and this one may not be perfect but you can exceed the detail on people's faces and that might be the important bit I agree. I, look, the thing is, the LED flashes are just as washed out. So I, I see your point. What I'm trying to argue is that I don't take any photos with flash ever. So that's kind of how I do it. I just avoid it. In fact, if cameras, phones didn't come with any LED flashes either, I'd be perfectly happy, frankly. <laughs> it, well, it depends what you're taking photographs of. If you've, if you've got young children or young relatives and you're in, you know you're going to be indoors in, in 
in indirect lighting, then you've got to have some kind of way of, of illuminating and freezing motion and illuminating people's faces. I, I appreciate that for a lot of the arty stuff and the wonderfully beautiful stuff that we we produce for our feeds, we they, they don't tend to be of people because of privacy reasons. But in my private life, away from all this stuff I'm sharing on Flickr, I do take photographs of family and friends and quite often the light and lighting isn't perfect. And especially if they're children, they really do not stay still. So I still think there is a room for it. The, the, the Android world especially is incredibly varied and I can't believe that there isn't a niche in the Android smartphone world of 2017 for a one phone, one phone out of a thousand models with Xenon. It just annoys me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that the, the, the issue for me is more one of, of uh, we don't even have specialized camera phones that are you know, like yeah. the K Zoom. Yeah. I mean, I think to me though that would belong on something that's like the K Zoom, and and we don't really have that. We don't have the the. I think the the P10 and P10 Plus, uh, even though they're flagships, there was a lot of emphasis put on photography when they were announced at Mobile Congress last year. No, this year, sorry, in February, um, and and obviously they they kind of almost kind of hinted this is you know we really want this to be a camera phone for you and and of course they didn't put a xenon but they you know they they made some other choices like on the p10 plus they have the, the really fast f-stop um and those leica lenses and stuff so clear and ois on both sensors they clearly did their job uh at pushing what they can do but they didn't go as far as making it a dedicated camera phone and as such we're not going to see xenon on that i think that's what it is you know yeah. um I agree with you that there's all our photos we both take that we don't show the world, but I get you know honestly I I delete those photos when I when I take them and the, and I, the flash fires off because I have to fire off the flash and I see them and they're, they're ugly I'm like no I don't want them I I just I can't take show the photos that that look ugly Steve I just can't yeah I, I, like I will delete a photo <laughs> even if it has some sort of memory purpose of you know remembering the moment with my family I don't want it if it's crap I'm not gonna keep it. Well, if you had Zoom so Flash, say, maybe, maybe you would keep it. <laughs> I honestly, this is on. what I do. No, this is what I do with friends. When, when I'm in a situation like that, if, I can't, if I'm at the edge of low light and I can't take it without the flash, I say, hey, let's go over there and the little bit of light there is and let's stay, stay steady for a second. I want to take a photo because you had a great outfit on. And they play along. They pose for me. And it's great. <laughs> and I get the memory that way. Yeah. But I, I tend to collaborate with my subject as much as I can when I can't nail the, the, the variables that I want to nail for the photo to look good. I'd rather not take the photo and lose the memory than have a crappy photo. That's me. Yeah, you raise a good point about liaising with your subject, and I have got better over the years, with my, especially as my little relatives have got older and they can actually understand the words like please pose and the benefits of posing to look nice. So I have been getting more successful f photographs with, for example, more modern devices, but I still hanker back to some of the astonishing photographs of uh, toddlers I was getting back uh, four or five years ago with things like my Nokia N8. Happy memories. Well, let's talk about these maybe. I don't know. Maybe we should talk about what, Okay, the state of the art of phones today. Like we've talked about all the things you guys need. It's 42 minutes into the podcast. We've talked about everything you need to know about photography that makes a good phone. And we talked about the, some of the new dual camera systems and, and essentially what the options are. It's really a matter of preference of what you want to do. If you feel like having an optical zoom that's two times that's available to you at any time, uh, pick a camera like that, like the iPhone 7, 
uh, plus that is, uh, or the Note 8 or the uh, um, the OnePlus 5. That they'll give you that optical two times zoom lens. They all perform differently, though. You've been warned. The fact that uh, the Note 8 has OIS on both lenses, as f 1.7 on both lenses, is kind of a tour de force, right? Yeah. yeah. So I want, I want, I, I mean, obviously, I haven't tried it yet, so I don't know what to think of it. But I, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, the other thing I want to say is if you want to be a bit more creative and like monochrome photography, having a sensor that's dedicated monochrome means less noise on the chroma spectrum, which is the color spectrum, and gives you all these kind of creative, you know, um, aesthetic possibilities. And that's the best right now doing that is Huawei. There's obviously the Galaxy, sorry, not the Galaxy, the uh, Motorola uh, Z2 Force that has a monochrome and color sensors, but they have no IS on either, and they're kind of a poor man's implementation of what Huawei is doing on the P10 and P10 Plus and Mate 9. Now, the P10 Plus has faster f-stop, like lower number f-stop, faster lens, higher aperture. Uh, I would choose that one just for that alone, although the difference in practice is not huge, but f over 2.2 to f over 1.8 makes a difference potentially in some shots. So that's one other model that you can go with. And then um, in terms of dual lens, the last, the last option is what uh, LG has been doing and nobody else seems to be doing, yeah. which is the wide angle and regular angle. And that gives you like a, a camera that's fisheye almost, that gives you the ability to take shots close up in close quarters uh, and get the entire scene, whether it be a selfie or you, you're in an art space and you can't back up because there's a wall behind you and you want to capture all of the art. You can do that. Uh, with the with the G5, G6, V20, V30, uh, those are the phones for that. And so, um, so far, all of these dual camera systems let you do portrait photography with artificially doing yeah. the bokeh and blurring the, the background and adjusting it. On the Note 8, you can adjust it as you're shooting in real time. You can adjust the, the, the amount of depth of field that you take. Same with the Huawei, it does that as well. Um, but the exception to that, and we haven't seen the V30 yet, so I don't know, but the exception to that is the LG. So far, the LGs don't provide any kind of portrait mode um, and any kind of like artificial uh, shallow depth of field bokeh feature. So again, software photography lets you combine the two sensors for things like better low light, for things like better zooming. In the case of the Huawei phones, there is a, op a lossless two-time zoom because one of the sensors, the monochrome one, is a 20 megapixel sensor. Is that 20 or 16? I can't remember. Yeah, 20 rings a bell, yeah. 20, right? And then the other one is 16. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, so you you have these options. These in these basically are software combining the two sensors content in a smart way and lining them up. And then, of course, having the parallax of the two lenses next side by side gives you more depth information that you can use to kind of create this fake depth of field, which, by the way, the OnePlus and the Moto Z2 Force are terrible at because this is where the software becomes an issue and the algorithms really matter iPhone does it pretty well, um, and the Note 8, from what I've seen so far, does it pretty well. But uh, and the Huawei's, I think, are getting better. Every software version update that I've gotten on the Huawei's uh, have improved the portrait mode. But those, the Moto and the, the OnePlus still have a ways to go to get their portrait mode uh, to work properly, especially in low light, especially when you're taking a photo of a background that is at an angle. So you have it coming from far too close yeah and the close part might be almost as close as your subject it gets really confused by that uh so anyway you know 
let's talk about the phones for a second that don't have dual cameras because we've just kind of covered those. I want to talk about what I consider to be the best camera phone short of the 950 today. <laughs> okay. Like a phone you can buy today that's really relevant to our listeners that will give them potentially the best photography experience. Here are my, here are my I want you to recite your, your top five, maybe from best to worst. So I'm going to do my favorite one, and they can be dual lens phones, assuming you're using them as single lens cameras. Yeah. Um, Number one is U11 for me. Yep. Number two, Galaxy S8. Yep. Number three, LG G6. Number four, Pixel uh, and Pixel XL. And this is this year's Pixel. Number five, ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, Huawei <laughs> P10 Plus. These are my five top five. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with any of those, although I would tend to combine the Pixel and the Pixel XL uh, together, um, obviously, the same. I would t tend to put in things like the G5 rather than the G6. I still think the G6, with its smaller camera unit, doesn't produce take as good photographs as the G5. Maybe uh, maybe you might disagree there, but certainly from my own test, the G6 was disappointing, the version I reviewed. Maybe they've had a software update since then, but the G5 has a physically larger camera in terms of the height from the optics to the sensor. I think that made a difference. So I would still give a shout out to that G5 there regardless of its other flaws. it's not a current flagship. Yeah, okay. You want to go for 2017 uh, yeah, models? I kinda yeah, I kind of want to go yeah. for like Snapdragon 821, 835 here or, okay. or equivalent, right? Yeah, like yeah. the Huawei's obviously have their own Kirin 960, I guess. It's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, the Exynos on some of the, the Samsungs, I think you can get a Galaxy S8, S8 Plus with Exynos yeah. in some markets. I think you're right. I have reservations about that. I feel that the G5 and G6 have strengths and weaknesses where some of some of them are, are better on the G6, some of them are better on the G5. I think yeah. software processing and speed is much higher on the G6. Agreed. Especially focus. Uh, G5, you're right, has slightly bigger pixels and not bigger pixel, but bigger sensor, like yeah. larger resolution. So you get more data out of it. But that's not true of the wide angle. So if you take wide angle shots, the G6 is better because it has a <laughs> number, larger number of pixels on the wide angle but the yeah. g5 has a lower number of pixels on the wide angle and so etc etc yeah, yeah. Um, also the v20 is definitely a key, uh, an important one in there because even though it's about to get replaced by the v30 and i have a feeling that the v30 will just put all this entire discussion to rest and be the lg camera phone we want because this f01.6 and who knows if they're putting ois on the wide angle which i really really hope they do um uh, anyway, the point is the V20, especially if you do video recording, is a phenomenal phone with manual volume control on the audio and a bunch of manual settings on video, uh, which the G6 also has, but not, I think, doesn't implement quite as well as the V20 because the V20 really does have a, a slightly better primary sensor, as you said. Yeah, but of all of those phones you've just mentioned, I would put the HTC U11 at the top. I don't, it's certainly by no means my favorite smartphone. There are so many things. No, it's not my favorite smartphone either, but it's <laughs> purely in terms of imaging. I think it's hard to beat. Yeah, absolutely. And and in my tests, it's a, it was only a tiny bit shy of the Lumia 950, which is the, as I said, the gold standard, but the U11 is it's a really fast, modern Android smartphone. And provided you can live with, you know, the stuff you've been mentioning on previous podcasts, when I look, by the way, I love your uh, rants and explanations about the USB Type-C and audio. So do go and listen to Miriam's previous podcast. But in terms of imaging, yes, the U11 for single camera, single shot use is phenomenal. Um, what about your second and your third and your fourth and your fifth? I'm going to agree with all of those, the S, the S8, even the S, uh, S7 before it. And, Would you and put the them in that order, though? Sorry? Would you put them in the same order as me? 
Uh, the U11 at the top and then the rest in the same order. M- maybe the Pixel at number two. Um, I, I did get some phenomenal shots. I was at, I, It's there's, amazing. There's, a, there's a, a church near my father's house that's floodlit at night, which is rather nice for them to, to light it up heartily, especially for me, every single night. But I wander down there and I've taken... I've taken some incredible shots with almost zero noise and perfect focus and perfect precision. And I think this is a shot that you'd need a DSLR sort of five, six, seven years ago. I'm taking it on a phone, handheld, and it's crystal clear and noise-free. Absolutely amazing. So I know it doesn't have OIS, but it, and that's why the U11 comes top. But the Pixel and the Pixel XL are number two for me. So uh, sometime on the week of, of uh, July, sorry, August, 10th, 12th, around that time, there was an article uh, released by a number of publications about XDA forums having liberated the Pixel (laughs) HDR Plus functionality to work on any Snapdragon 821 and 835 phones. Take any in a, uh, with quotes, because I tried it on the Snapdragon 821 powered Zenfone AR and it crashed. But on most phones, the Galaxy S8 has been tested. I think the G6 has been tested. Uh, The camera app for the Pixel works on those phones now. Um, And I think that's worth exploring for you, uh, not you just Steve, but the listeners, because um, that HDR plus trick of taking eight photos, imagine that on an even better sensor, a uh, better subsystem with OIS, right? Um, it, it should result in better photos. I think a lot of what you're seeing there in that church shot is because of HDR plus and Google's yeah. uh, software implementation. And it's hard for me to place the, the reason I didn't place a pixel above the Galaxy S8, I, I really would put that in my second choice as well if it had OIS. Because the Galaxy S8 nailed that shot of the ceiling of the airplane, the starry ceiling, yeah. whereas the Pixel just couldn't get it. It's the first time the Pixel couldn't shoot what I wanted to shoot. It's never happened before. So obviously very rare, but um, yeah. that's kind of why I wanted in number two. And I put the G6 above the Pixel again because of OIS and because of the wide angle. I love the wide angle. Of all the dual camera systems for me, yeah. wide angle is my number one option. And choice. Yeah, and I was going to, going to ask you, obviously, would you prefer the, 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 the telephoto lens system or the wide angle? But I've been saying this on my own podcast, the phone show chat, which will maybe come to at the end, um, that I still believe there will be a phone made in maybe 2017 or early 2018 with three cameras. And, oh, and, it, will, and it will have wide angle, telephoto and normal, and they'll all work together seamlessly. So I tell you what the future is going to be, and Qualcomm's been talking about this for a while. It's three. It's three cameras where one is, um, you know, a regular lens. The other one is a wide angle, yeah. And the third one is an infrared um, emitter and receiver, very much like Think Connect. Okay. And then you can get perfect depth, right? You can measure. It's it's actually better than the parallax for measuring depth. Now you can basically do what Tango phones and AR kit does, and and you can actually project a pattern of infrared laser light onto a surface. And d- d- based on the distortion of that pattern and the size of the dots returned by the, the optical and the infrared, sorry, the infrared sensor, you know how far, you can basically map, it's like a LIDAR, you can map the surface of everything. Guess what that does for you? Instant autofocus, yeah. perfect autofocus. Because you don't have to guess the depth anymore. You don't have to even hunt for the focus anymore. You just send the right voltage to the focus coil and you got exactly the position you want to be at. Yeah. It's instantaneous focus and it doesn't require dual pixels. The other thing it opens up is uh, perfect um, fake bokeh portrait mode. 
because now you don't have to don't have the errors anymore to contend with because you're actually having a perfect map of 3D of what you're taking a shot of in terms of depth, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think we're going to see we're not going to see telephoto plus wide plus regular. Before we see that, we're going to see infrared camera with an infrared emitter associated with it plus either telephoto or wide angle plus regular or plus monochrome and regular. We're going to see that. And that's going to start happening, uh, I think, in the fall with some phones. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which phones, but uh, Qualcomm's been talking about it. And, uh, and I think it's, uh, it's their, their ISP is going to be optimized for it. And these are the same phones that are going to let us do AR. And I wouldn't be surprised if the new iPhones, at least one of them, uh, has some sort of uh, connect-like you know, laser uh, infrared shooter pattern and read back the, the output of that. Um, in the same way as the front of the Galaxy S8 and Note 8 have uh, an iris scanner that works very similarly to that. So that's infrared photography or infrared assisted photography is going to be a big thing soon. Yeah, absolutely. So basically my triple camera idea is perhaps slightly more science fiction than reality. But I can see a, a condition, uh, Miriam, maybe maybe in a year or two's time where you have an array of two by two array and you've got the, the three cameras you just mentioned plus the telephoto that I mentioned in a two, oh, by, two, two by two array. Yeah. And beneath that, you've got a quad LED flash, maybe you've got laser autofocus. If you, well, I guess you won't need it with your your fourth camera. But there's, there's so, there is people keep saying that camera phones have plateaued and to an extent they have. We saw this incredible uh, ramp up in quality from sort of 2007 through to about 2012. Incredible ramp up and things have plateaued to the extent that the average man in the street now takes great photographs with almost any camera phone. But we're moving into a time now where they can get great results of almost any subject with any phone. And, and we, to the point where they almost don't have to think. They can just tap a, a button or an icon on their screen and Everything will happen intelligently in software and hardware, uh, and that currently doesn't quite happen. We're still a year or two away from that. But we're getting there, and you know, we're getting to the point where today's smartphones in the good conditions, like in you know the most like the like the majority of conditions they run into, can be uh, can certainly match a good uh, high end point and shoot camera. Yeah, and so I think that. Sorry, there was a bit of noise there for a second. I think that that's going to be uh, that's going to be the next thing is like you know getting DSLR grade photos from cameras from from phones. I think that's actually going to happen. Yeah. And so uh, you know let's let's see what happens, right? Yeah, absolutely. When we were comparing when the Nokia 808 came out, and that was what 2012, we were comparing some of its output in good light with DSLR results. With and it's a good comparison, but we're getting to the point now where you can almost compare camera phone. Um, results in most in almost all light conditions of all subjects with DSLR, as long as you don't want you know ridiculous depth of field effects, and even that's starting to come into the software realm now. So it is just amazing to be to be excited at this particular aspect of the phone world, and I and I love being part of it with you and uh, comparing results with you, Miriam. For sure, I think it's gonna you know multi camera arrays, uh, even larger arrays like eight by eight. Or no, not by eight by eight. I mean, but four by four, for example, sixteen lenses, um, sixteen sensors. Uh, it's going to become a thing because very soon you're going to be able to do so much more in the software side of it. You won't need focusing. You won't need uh, you to worry about aperture as much. So you'll be able to like have just this array of sensors, kind of like you know what we do in sonar today. You know, uh, in in the military, which is instead of having one transmitter and one receiver. 
uh, for the well, the transmitters for the ping noise, right? Uh, but you have an array. You have the big an array of microphones, and then you can measure positions and distances and do all kinds of processing because you have multiple sensors that are identical. And I think that's you know, Lytro does this in a way, right? Yeah. Um, and now I don't, you know, there's also that one camera. I don't remember what it's called with the 16 sensors and lenses. You know the one I'm talking about? <laughs> I that, don't, that, but every time we get to the point in this conversation, Miriam, where we've worked out the, the, the best camera phone and where camera phones are going, you move the goalposts again. But but I, I just, because well, that's I mean, good. Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, software is going to come to our rescue is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. you know, there's still no replacement for a good sensor in a big chunk of glass, like optics, right? Like, yeah. like the DSLR is, you know, guys, DSLR, like if you apply some of the technology we're applying today to camera phones to DSLRs, yeah. They could be even better than they are. And we're not really seeing that yet because those camera manufacturers are kind of like sticking to their tried and true technologies. It's kind of like, to me, we're at the verge of what we're seeing between, um, you know, uh, internal combustion engine cars and electric cars. There's a revolution happening in mobile photography that's going to have massive repercussion on professional DSLR-grade photography. And right now, um, that's not happening because a lot of the camera manufacturers have an existing business model to protect. Yeah. We're seeing that with the car world. We're going to see that with the photography world. You know, Sony is a prime example of that. They make phenomenal point-and-shoot cameras at high-end, the RX100, great uh, APS-C-based mirrorless cameras and even full-sensor-based mirrorless camera like the A7 uh, and, and DSLRs. But they are never putting the best they can in their phones. Have you noticed that? Yeah, because yeah. they don't want to steal the business from their camera side. They don't put OIS on any of their phones, which is insane. They make most of the OIS sensors. Yeah, the, 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 the mystery of what's happening in the Sony's mobile division is, is one that's never been solved. It continues to frustrate me to this day. <laughs> And I think it's one of those situations. And, you know, yes, the camera, the professional photographers are used to a certain workflow and are used to, you know, being able to change aperture and shutter speeds and having this big, massive amount of glass in these bags they carry around. But the day somebody can come up with the same level of quality, um, you know, on a dedicated device that can do all of that and it's completely pocketable, I think, you know, we're starting to see a lot of professional photographers always carry with them an iPhone or some sort of camera phone with yeah, them. Yeah. And, and because, you know, they can get shots that they couldn't otherwise get and have a level of spontaneity that they couldn't otherwise get. And, you know, it's it's changing the face. All this stuff is changing the face of photography for the better. And the way I became a good photogra photographer with uh, these big, big traditional DSLR and lenses, which I use from time to time, is, is by starting with mobile photography because mobile photography restricted me so much and much more back then than it does now that I've learned all these basic coping skills on how to manage these limitations such that if you give me the right tool now, I can do magic. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that that's, that's why I recommend if you guys are into photography, my listeners, do yourself a favor and focus on your, uh, pardon the pun, focus on your camera photography. Don't buy a point and shoot. Don't buy a DSLR. Don't buy a mirrorless camera. Stick with your phone and see what you can extract from that thing until you start running out of options. And then upgrade your phone. Chances are by just upgrading your phone, you'll be able to do better photos. And then, you know, if you feel like you want to experiment and be even more creative, then get a real camera. But you really don't need a real camera anymore. You really don't. Yeah. And just one extra trick, really, kind of a, a bonus extra for the podcast listeners. That's a, a trick that I've used over and over again with, with people and especially children and events is that sometimes you need to capture something completely ad hoc and you don't know exactly when it's going to happen. A smile, a blowing out of a candle, something's a, a 
present being presented. And with the mod- these modern smartphone cameras that take 4K video, I'm sure m- many of your listeners know this, but just take a 4K video of that event, get as close as you can, you know, try and get all the usual lighting tricks, but take, take it in 4K video. Um, and basically, you can extract the individual frame, the perfect frame, the perfect shot, the perfect smile, the perfect glint in the eye later. And people will say, wow, that eight megapixel photograph you took, how on earth did you manage to get that moment? And the trick is you didn't. You just took a, a minute of 4K video and you took the eight megapixel shot out using software later on. And and several phone manufacturers now let you do that with built-in software. And there are also there are third-party apps, certainly in the Play Store, that lets you do the same thing. And I've used that a number, number of times. So hopefully that's a tip that will help someone. So that you don't always have to take stills. Sometimes you can take a still from video and it really works. Absolutely. And and along the same lines, explore the burst mode you have in your camera. A lot of them have it. The Pixel does it. Something like 10 frames per second or more. Um, and you get you know high-resolution photos and there's going to be one that nails your shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guaranteed. And that's the one you want. And, you know, instead of like trying to get the moment by just hitting the shutter... You know, have it in burst mode or have it in video mode and go from there. Absolutely yeah. agree with, with you. And that's kind of why I think, you know, Flash are redundant. Because it's like, unless you're in a completely dark room right now, you don't really need that. Low light performance is high enough. You're not going to fire the Flash. And if I am going to n- use the source of artificial light, frankly, this is what I do, Steve. I pick, you know, I carry more than one phones all the time. So yeah. I pick up another phone and I turn on the flashlight on it. And I hold it at a kind of di- further away uh, indirect lighting angle, and I add a source of light to my scene that's continuous light that just adds enough light that the low light performance of my camera that I'm holding in the other hand is higher, and I can take that shot. And you and it looks natural. It looks real. It looks like there was yeah, just a light yeah. source in one corner of the room, and it's so much better than a flash firing off of your 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 you know from the same point of view as yeah, the lens yeah, yeah, and the yeah. sensor so that's my recommendation and if you don't have two phones because you're not like freak like me that carries four <laughs> pretty much everywhere i go um buy yourself a little led flashlight yeah and if you have to put a little piece of paper in front of it to diffuse it that's all you have to do it's really simple stuff put that on your keychain or whatever in your back pocket when you're at a birthday party and you'll see just doing that is a million times better than any LED or well not a xenon because xenon is really impressive as as Steve mentioned but for LED based phone flash phones that that is a million yeah. times better yeah. frankly completely agree and I, I've not every single smartphone I use I always the first thing I do is turn the LED flash off because not not just the fact that it's not doesn't work very well and you get blurry results Miriam but quite often on Android phones having the LED uh, the, the flash in auto mode actually delays the capture of the shot by up to a second while everything gets sorted out and it takes the shot if you turn the LED um, the LED flash off it takes the shot much much faster and you don't miss the moment yep so there you go, guys. This is um, everything you needed to know about <laughs> camera f- photography and the state-of-the-art of camera phones in uh, late August 2017. Uh, obviously, you know, we know a little bit about the Note 8 now. We're going to know a little more about the V20, sorry, V30 very soon. And then the iPhone, obviously, is going to bring a lot to the table because it's going to support uh, hardware. It's going to have hardware to support AR kit. And believe it or not, but all that hardware is essentially camera hardware um so it'll be interesting to see what comes out of the iphone in terms of imaging because apple has always done a very good job but they haven't really been innovating that much in my opinion they've been following others lead and i'm hoping that this 10th anniversary edition iphone 
iPhone Pro, whatever you want to call it, is going to really, really finally show some true innovation from Apple again. And if they do that, then, you know, um, they, you know, Maybe they're going to be the the best camera phone on the market for the rest of the year. But I think for now, my my pick would be the Note Eight, probably. Um, yeah. And uh, but I'm still holding my breath here because the V30 is we don't know yet everything about we need to know about the V30. So let's let's find out. Yeah, and I would get the exercise the note of caution, no pun intended, that the Samsung do have a history of just messing up the firmware in terms of image processing at the pixel level. And I still haven't forgiven them for some of the firmwares in the past in the S7. So I remain to be convinced, Samsung. Impress me with the Note 8, please. <laughs> it's it's getting, I think it's gotten better. The, this year, the Galaxy S8 uh, really impressed me because the last year I was, I felt the same way as you. I felt like, for for the specs I'm reading, you're, I'm not getting the results I'm expecting. They're really good, but they're not great. Yeah. And this year, it's clearly this pretty much the same so, uh, uh, sensor and yeah. hardware, but yeah. at a at a much higher software, a much better software implementation level. And and it's it's impressive on the Galaxy S8. And as I said, I have very little hands time with the Note. But as mm-hmm. soon as we get, you know, my Note 8 review unit should be arriving in a few days, so I'll let you know once I uh, once I play with it. Okay, well, we're heading to near to bedtime, Miriam. So if I may, I know I was going to say, did you want? Uh, <laughs> I was just, uh, as you can see, I was winding it down. Um, <laughs> please plug yourself. Tell people where they can find you online, where they should read your stuff and your podcast. Okay, well, they can read my stuff normally at allaboutwindowsphone.com. Don't be too fooled by the Windows Phone stuff. I do cover obviously the newer versions of Windows and comparisons with stuff on other platforms as well. Also, my phone show video podcast, which I've been doing now for eleven and a half years. I repeat, that was yep. I started before YouTube existed. Um, <laughs> started as a smartphone show. It's now just called The Phone Show. We'll put the link in the show notes. Um, say stevelitchfield.com will have links to stuff I do. And at Steve Litchfield, don't forget the T in Litchfield for my surname on Twitter. And that's me. Fantastic. Well, Steve, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I know I've been on your podcast more than you've been on mine, but we're going to change that because I'm hoping to make this uh, a long weekly ongoing show. And, you know, again, thanks for being on. And uh, stay tuned for more next week, everybody. Yeah, bye. Cheers. Bye for now. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.